What's up, guys? This is Jeremy Platt, and you're listening to Between the Tackles. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. I've ever seen. He has one defender to beat. He's going to cut it back to the inside. Yes, he will. And that is a touchdown. Down the sideline. He will go. Touchdown. One day you'll look back on your life and appreciate the struggle and have nothing but gratitude for everything that happened along the way. What's up, everyone? It's Jeremy Platt with Between the Tackles. And today we're doing a pre-draft podcast. We're doing a little something different today. We're going to have Justin from Friday Football Frenzy host the show, and he'll moderate the podcast today. Sounds good. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here, and I'm really excited to see what you have to say. All right, so let's go down. The draft is less than a week away. We're both very excited for it. we got a lot of predictions going on. I know you especially have been doing a lot of draft analysis the entire offseason, getting ready for this upcoming draft. Hopping in, the big question going on right now, Starts with the quarterback because a lot of teams are looking for that franchise guy. The top quarterbacks this year are Tua Taglova, Jalen Hurts, and obviously Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Okay, rank your top five quarterbacks coming into this draft. Well, so I analyze about four to five games of each quarterback, watch every single snap of that game, and then put it into a draft profile, which is on my website www.betweenthetacklesfootball.com. So if I had to rank my quarterbacks. I go back and forth with Joe Burrow and Tua Tonga Vailoa. I thought their tastes were just as impressive. They do they do different things just as well. Joe Burrow is incredible, better than I've ever seen coming out of the draft. He, uh, his pocket mobility, he can shift. He has that poise to him. And Tua Tonga Vailoa, he's so intelligent. He's great with his eyes. His feet and his eyes are aligned. So I go back and forth. I, right now I'm leaning towards Joe Burrow as my number one quarterback, but I think those two are really like, like they could go either way so Joe Burrow number one Tua Tonga Vailoa number two number three is a little bit of a surprise it's Jalen Hurts I think the way he can improvise in a play do those off script plays and he has that it factor it factor to him where all the guys in the locker room they he's the alpha and he all the guys respond to him perfectly my number four I have Justin Herbert I I I love his mobility and his arm, I think those are two things he can work with. He has an issue of locking onto his reads. Right now, I have him graded as an uh, early second-round pick, maybe late first-round pick. He's going to go a lot higher than that. And then my fifth quarterback was Jordan Love. He's ex- extremely raw, but the one thing I love about him is his calm presence. You know, he does. He never he never panics, even though he th- might throw 17 interceptions in a year. He, d- he, does, he doesn't panic, and I think he can be – his potential can be through the roof or he could be a bust. And, you know, I have a second round grade on him as well. Okay. So when looking in more depth to these quarterback prospects, obviously you've got them ranked. I want to talk about two of them. I want to talk about Joe Burrow and Tua. And then I also want to talk about Jordan Love a little bit, actually, too. So when you're going between Joe Burrow and Tua, obviously Joe Burrow had maybe the most prolific quarterback college year we've ever seen. And then obviously Tua in in due because of his injuries but also he's put back-to-back careers you know they're phenomenal I mean when you look at what he's done he was statistically the best quarterback we've ever seen before Joe Burrow 
Um, when you have to grade these guys, what do you think is their biggest weakness? And then what do you think is their biggest strength? So with Tua, I think the biggest weakness is easily his health. We don't really know what we what have we've heard is that his hips doing great, but we've also heard that he's failed some physicals. So with Tua, it has to be. I loved everything about his film. Um, it really has to be everything that has to do with his health. For Joe Burrow, so what he does great is improvise and make these insane off skit. He makes these plays where he'll just be behind the offensive lineman making defensive lineman miss his pocket presence but that being said he holds on to the ball for a, a long time and also you know with both the guys Tua and Joe it's they're both dependent on schemes which I feel like almost everybody is but we saw what Joe Burrow can do in a scheme that doesn't fit him previously in the year with LSU and also with Ohio State he didn't fit with what they wanted to do so for, it really depends on where they end up. It sounds like Joe Burrow is going to go to the Bengals. And if Tua goes to the Dolphins, the Dolphins don't have a right or a left tackle, which is terrifying for an injury, a injury-riddled quarterback. So I would love to see Tua go to the Chargers. The reason being, the Chargers got Brian Bulaga. They got, and they shirt up their, at least right side of their offensive line, for the most part. They got Trey Turner. Or, yeah, they got Trey Turner. So. I want to see Tua go to the Chargers because I feel like he'll be protected on his blind side because Tua's a lefty, so he got the right side. And they also are getting Forrest Lamp and a bunch of other guys. Okay, and then I want to talk a little bit about Jordan Love. Jordan Love is potentially the X factor in this draft because he has the physical ability that people a lot of a lot of people compare him to Patrick Mahomes in his terms of his arm strength, his arm ability. But he's also a very raw quarterback where in terms he's not great with his reads. There's times when pressure will get in his face and he'll make common mistakes. Um, but there's times where he will be great. Do you think it just depends on which system he falls into? Do you think he should have a year to develop? Um, what do you see the floor and the ceiling being for him? So with Jordan Love, I'm not as high on Jordan Love as the national media is. Um, I think a lot of people are saying Patrick Mahomes is his ceiling. I, I don't think so. I, I think more closer to Matthew Stafford. His floor, I was saying, like, I'm, I'm thinking Paxton Lynch could be his floor because he was also that big quarterback who could had a rocket of an arm. And he just busted, ran, landed in the wrong system. I, I like the intangibles Jordan Love has in his head. He's extremely calm. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't force throws, but he, he definitely he doesn't have that high football IQ that you'd want out of your quarterback. Um, I, it really depends on – I want him to have a good quarterback coach overall better than a system because a quarterback coach can develop him. And I – you know, I don't I don't think Jordan Love's going to be that must-watch guy that everyone's making him out to be. If you could put him in a system, what's, what team do you think would be the best for him? Um, I, I think either the Saints or the Patriots, just because what they can do with the quarterback. You know, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, they've been spoiled with Tom Brady over the past 20 years. But Sean Payton especially with the Saints, the way he's able to develop quarterbacks, we saw what he's, he did with Obviously, Drew Brees, but Drew Brees was always always like that. But what he could do with Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater, especially, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, he was was a good quarterback with the Vikings, but he became he was undefeated with the Saints. And Teddy Bridgewater has that command, and I think he can help um, Jordan Love a ton. Okay, we're gonna move into the running backs. So this is a little bit of a weird year, you know. 
this there's a chance you know a running back doesn't go in the first round this year when usually you know there's usually one in the top five picks for the past couple of years what do you think about this running back draft class so I think this running back class is a lot deeper than we've seen in the past years but I don't think they have that star guy if you know um the thing with running backs is I think they're losing value after we've seen what happened to Todd Gurley and we've seen these running backs deteriorate deteriorate in the past and like what five seasons so I don't think they're going to be valued as high my number one running back in the class it's kind of um not he started off with a lot of tension a lot of traction but he's kind of called him down not a lot of people are talking about him is J.K. Dobbins the running back from Ohio State what I usually try to do is when I evaluate prospects I look for their best game their worst game and then a bunch of good games of theirs and then with J.K. Dobbins, I couldn't find a bad game. It, he was literally, he was one of those guys who get you jumping out of your seat. You can't stop watching him. The way he bounces off contact is what makes him special. And then DeAndre Swift, who's my number two running back, I, I think he's I think he's great too. I think he'll be a, a day one starter if he lands in the right system. Um, his vision is better than any running backs in the class. And, you know, vision's the first thing I look for in a running back coming out of the draft. Um, Jonathan Taylor insanely productive you know with Wisconsin their system is so outdated they run the ball you know in like 65 percent or something like that on the on first down which is proven analytically to be the wrong move and but so he with what he had even though he had one of the best offensive lines the lack of creativity like and his production it was insane um another guy that I love is Clyde Edwards Hilaire um he was one of he's a guy who I think is going to be in the league for at least 10 to 12 years. Uh, the way he's he's just so agile, and the, he's his low center of gravity is what I love because he can do those. He has all the body control, and he can do the ridiculous jukes, and he's also going to be an amazing receiver coming out of the backfield um, for his quarterback. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins reminds me a little bit of David Montgomery coming out of last year's draft. He's kind of shifty, and he kind of like he's a ground-and-pound kind of guy almost too, a little bit like the way Leonard Fournette was coming out of college where he would kind of seek contact. Um, it's weird because I, you know, he's a Buckeye and I saw a lot of Ezekiel Elliott in the type of way that he would take off on runs, you know, coming out of Ohio state. So I, I would put him around that, that floor range is kind of like David Montgomery esque. I mean, we still need to see David Montgomery this yeah. year, but also Leonard Fournette ish. And then I would say his ceiling is closer to signing of that of Zeke's range. Well, I think he's more, I think he's more, I think he's faster than both Leonard Fournette and, um, and David Montgomery. And I think he's a little more like shift. He's more shifty than the two. Um, I don't think he's as I don't think he'll be able to carry what Leonard Fournette does with 25 carries a game. I think he'll be more closer to the 20 than 25, 30. But yeah. So something we are not lacking in this draft is wide receivers. There is a ton of wide receivers. I mean, people are saying you could find your number one in the top 12 guys potentially. I mean, it seems like the the, the top three are set being Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, and Henry Ruggs, and then. That four to eight kind of range, it seems like teams around the league have scattered opinions on who should be the next guys. How do you rank your wide receivers this year? So I have a very different than the national media. I have it. My number one receiver is Justin Jefferson, which not a lot of guys. I mean, they talk about him, but they talk about him as maybe that guy right under Henry Ruggs and uh, Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. Justin Jefferson, the ability he can make those contested grabs, a DB can be all over him. But I think he'll he'll moss anybody in the draft and a lot of DBs in the NFL. With um, he also the big 
knock on him was that he played nearly all of his snaps in the slot this year. But the thing is, his sophomore year, he ran 79% of his routes in from the outside. And with a different system, he became this more of a slot receiver. But I love him. So he wasn't pressed a lot, but he has this certain type of wiggle to him where I think he'll be able to get off press. And he's also like a very elusive guy. Um, and he has this like basketball crossover move at the top of his route where you don't really know where he's going. So on those option routes, he can be deadly. My number two guy is Jerry Judy because I think he's the most pro ready out of any of these guys. The way he, um, the way he releases off the line, his routes are so, it, his routes are the best in the in the draft this year. And the way he separates off a corner, no one's gonna be able to press him. Um, number three for me is C.D. Lamb. With C.D. Lamb, I C.D. Lamb, I think he has the ability that no other receiver has in, in this draft, which is just to be able to take over a game, Julio or Calvin Johnson style, where no one will be able to stop him. And after the catch, C.D. Lamb is one of the best receivers in the draft. Henry Ruggs has, in my opinion, the best hands in the draft to go along with. He's the fastest player in the entire. He's one of the he's gonna be a top ten fastest guys in the league this year. And then my number five is a guy who doesn't get a lot of attention, Michael Pittman Jr., the wide receiver out of USC. He's a bigger guy, he's not the fastest guy, but his hands are a sure thing. He's a really reliable receiver. He's six foot four, and whatever team drafts him in on the in the second round, I think they're gonna get a steal out of him. Yeah, I definitely um my big guy in this wide receiver draft is CD Lamb. I've loved him for a few years now. I think his ability to make contested amazing grabs is better than any receiver in this class i think he's got outstanding ability as well and i also love justin jefferson he would be my number two and then my number three would probably be jerry judy but they're not far behind each other i think these guys all have fantastic ability and i'm very excited to see where these guys land 100 percent um there's some there's some players that we like to call hybrids in this league they're very interesting to watch they can play running back little receiver maybe a little tight end maybe even a little bit of quarterback are there some guys in this draft that you think could raise because of their ability to play so many positions yeah, there's four guys that I'm going to talk about. The first one I have to talk about is one of the top three player in this draft, Isaiah Simmons. He can play literally any any defensive role for an NFL team. I really don't want him to go to the Giants because I don't have a lot of faith in um, Joe Judge because I don't really know. We don't know what we're getting. I don't know if they can use him right as a versatile weapon. My dream fit for Isaiah Simmons would have to be the Carolina Panthers because First of all, Matt Rule is a super open-minded guy, and with um, Isaiah Simmons, they just lost Luke Kuechly, who's their alpha on their defense, and Isaiah Simmons is going to be that guy who is an alpha on the defense. Um, the next guy I want to talk about, who I, I don't know a ton about, but from what I've seen and the interviews I've watched about him, I, Jeremy Chin is a guy who is going to be drafted either late first, early second round. Um he can also play linebacker, safety, nickel. Um, and then the two guys on offense who I love, I love both of them. Chase Claypool, the wide receiver slash tight end from Notre Dame. Um, his production was amazing. He can even play special teams. He can make a tackle. Um, he's extremely versatile. Uh, he had four touchdowns versus Navy where he just completely took over the game. There was no stopping him. And he he's probably one of the best red zone threats in this draft. And then the last guy, is Lynn Bowden Jr., who is incredible to watch. He's, I didn't give him a position. He's just an athlete. He played quarterback for the back half of his career at Kentucky. He's coming out as a receiver. He can play running back, but his versatility is, is what's going to get him drafted. I think he'll be a day two pick. 
Um, he's extremely fast, and he has returnability. He was a captain, and I just love him. I want to talk about uh, Chase Claypool for a little bit because this guy's very unique. He's a big guy. I mean, some draft teams are, are expecting to try to make the switch to tight end because he's that big. This guy reminds me a lot of um, two guys. I think the floor for him would be closer to like a Willie Sneed type guy. I think Willie Sneed's a little bit of a bigger guy, and he makes some tough catches, and he's also a very good red zone threat. And his ceiling is somewhere closer to Larry Fitzgerald for me. Very, very tough. Very, very good at red zone. I could see this guy being on a team for a decade. I really like him coming out. Um, he could be a potential, you know, long-term pick for some team. I think something's going to get really lucky with this guy. Um, that's my guy. Who do you see as your guys in this draft? Well, first of all, someone I talked about earlier, Justin Jefferson. I, I freaking love Justin Jefferson. He's my favorite player in the draft. I'm not saying he's the best player, but he's my favorite player in the draft. Um, I love Jalen Hurts, who I talked about earlier, the way he improvises and make those off-script plays, and also the mentality he has where he is the leader of the team. And every he reminds me of, um, what's his name? R Russell Wilson, where every everyone on the team has a great story to tell about him. Um, a couple other, I love Lynn Bowden. Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver from Texas, he can be the next Tyler Lockett or the next Julian Edelman. He's going to be a quarterback's best friend. He's amazing on third down, and but he has a thicker build, so that's why a lot of people are comparing him to um, Julian Edelman, and he's like that. He's tough. He like, can run in the middle of the field, but I compare him to Ty Lockett because he has the ability to track the ball better than any player I've ever seen coming out. Isaiah Simmons is my guy. Um, I, Jeff Okuda is my number one corner I've ever seen come out of college, and I've been like taking notes since 2014. And yeah, those are those are my big guys. I want to talk about Jalen Hurts for a second because I I love Jalen Hurts. I mean, the type of adversity this guy's been through and the leadership skills that he's like he's shown, he has got the intangibles down. I think he's got confidence, he's got swagger, and he's exactly what I would want in terms of a franchise guy from an off from, from like not a physical uh, you know step. But he's also got physical attributes that are very very appealing. Do you see this guy potentially becoming like a Dak Prescott, being drafted late and taking over a team? Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't know how late. I think his stock's been rising. I, I think he'll go early second round. I'm liking him to the Colts right now, which I know is your favorite team. But um, I, I think I think he's going to be a guy who's harder to keep off the field. I think he'll, at, by at least week 10, he'll be starting for an NFL team, which may surprise a lot of people. Um, the big knock on him right now are his like ability to make tight window throws. Um and also his footwork, but he's working with um, a quarterback coach who works with guys like um, Dwayne Haskins and Deshaun Watson. Where, and the way he's developed from the combine, so from his the end of his career to the combine to his pro day, he's looked unbelievable. And I think he's going to be a guy who's coach, who's super coachable. You know that um, Lincoln Riley and Nick Saban both rave about him because he played for both Oklahoma and Alabama, and I, I think a team's going to fall in love with him. Yeah, I wouldn't call Jalen Hurts necessarily a sleeper. Oh, but sorry. I, one sec. Quincy, Quincy Avery is the guy who's training him. Yeah, I wouldn't call Jalen Hurts necessarily a, a sleeper, but I think he is a little bit underrated for what he's done in, in, in his college career. Who would you consider as like guys you would take a look at as sleepers? So for sleepers, the first guy who I love, Darrington Evans, the running back from um, Appalachian State. I did a, mo I did a little film breakdown of him on my instagram and twitter at 
between the tackles. But Darrington Evans, he's going to be a guy used in the outside zone scheme. Um, he reminds me a lot of Raheem Mostert. He's extremely fast. I think he ran a 4-4-1. And he's going to be a guy in an outside zone system and inside zone running. He's, he's going to be a starter by the, by the, at least the second year of his career. Um, another sleeper I have is um, let's see, uh, Van Jefferson, the wide receiver from Florida. The big knock on him is the production, but the quarterback play wasn't ideal at Florida. He's so smooth. It reminds me of what Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. coming out of college. Just everything. He's just slick about everything. His route running is amazing. His releases are amazing. And also, I want to talk about what he did against LSU. You know, most of the time when these guys go against LSU, LSU had one of the best defenses, and usually LSU shuts them down. But he was matching up with Derek Stingley, one of the best uh, freshmen in college football last year. And four straight plays, he caught passes on him. It, there were, there was two comebacks. There was a touchdown. And this one where he just crossed the shit out of – or, excuse me, he crossed up Derek Stingley. Yeah, no, I was looking at your Instagram and I saw you were researching Van Jefferson and you got me kind of looking at him. And when I did my research of him studying his film, this guy shows a lot of ability. He's got a lot of potential. I really love him, especially what you're talking about with his footwork and him getting off the line and getting around corners and DBs. That was really impressive to me. And he's very, very fluid in his movements, which is a very good thing. You don't want to be locked up in your hips. And especially when you're trying to cross over DBs and stuff like that, he was really impressive. Yeah, one, one other thing. Um, going back to the guys who I love in this draft, I also love Tua and, or I love Tua Tonga Vailoa. I love um, I love Patrick Queen because th- there are some guys who, when I watch film, I don't I watch their oppose the opposing team, but they just stand out on film. And Patrick Queen in his last year versus with LSU, he every every game against LSU, he stood out to me. And I also really love um, I like Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State and what he can do after the catch. And, yeah, those are some of my guys. Okay, so now when we're looking at prospects individually, there are some guys in here that you see in the draft, and you're like, okay, we know this guy's going to be good. He's going to be able to take it to the next level. You think of like a guy like Quentin Nelson who was guaranteed a Hall of Famer before he's even drafted. These guys are called locks. Who are your locks for this year's draft? Well, my, my number one lock is Isaiah Simmons. I, the, he is just such a versatile weapon. He literally played probably every position on the defense except for nose tackle he's he's a hybrid but a team's gonna team's gonna be able to use him all over the field he's just a guy I cannot see being a flop um Derek Brown is gonna be a disruptor in the in the middle of the defensive line and when I'm looking at defensive tackles the first thing I look for is that they can disrupt the game and that's exactly what Derek Brown did no one can run the ball on him he was he was even big on the pass his power is insane um, I think Chase Young is going to be remarkable in the NFL. He's going to be drafted to the Redskins most likely, and that defensive line is going to be stacked. That whole front seven with getting Ruben Foster back, I, that def- whole defense is going to be great. Um, on the offensive side, you know, I I can see Joe Burrow being held down by the Bengals. I don't really see him being a bust. Um, I I love uh, Justin Jefferson. And yeah, those are my guys. Those are the guys who I think are locks to not be busts. Okay, now who do you think are the biggest boomer bust prospects in this draft? We talked a little bit about Jordan Love. Um, who else do you have on this list? Yeah, so I think Jordan Love probably headlines that. Him and Justin Herbert. You know, I'm not super high on either of them. I don't. I think Jordan Love's potential is way higher than jo- uh, Justin Herbert's. 
but I, I just see Jordan uh, Love being one of those like Mitch Trubisky guys. Um, I think another boomer or bust guy is gonna be Denzel Mims. He's extremely raw. He's what six four and ran a four three eight. Uh, I I didn't love his game. You know, he's extremely loose when he holds the ball, which I know is more not the biggest deal. Um, his, he doesn't get a ton of separation. His route running isn't great. He's more of a highlight guy. He reminds me a lot of Josh Dawson coming out. Um, a, another boomer and bust guy, I'd say, would be, um, you know, Gabe, Davi- Gabe Davis, the wide receiver from UCF. I'm not super high on him. I think he'll be like a seventh-round pick. You know, I, I just – I don't I don't buy into the hype for Gabe Davis that some people are giving him. Uh yeah, those are some of the guys. Okay, so we've talked about players you're not in love with, like Jordan Love, like Justin Herbert. What are guys you just straight out you don't like him? Like a lot of people might be falling for him, but you just don't like him as a prospect. You know, it's first of all, this is nothing against the person himself. You know, I what I talked about, Gabe Davis, I just didn't like his film at all. Um, I'm not super high on there's no, there's no guys that I just hate because I wouldn't uh, that's not who I am. Um, I'm not super high on Jalen Rager, who a lot of people are giving hype to. Some people even think he might be a first-round draft pick. I'm not very high on him. Not high on A.J. Epinesa, the defensive lineman, more of a defensive tack- or a slow defensive end from Iowa. I'm not super high on. And, yeah, those are the guys who I'm not, I'm not a big fan of. You talked about not being personal with players, and that's fair. You know, a, per- a person's character has nothing to do with their play sometimes. But sometimes it has everything to do with it, you know, where they come from, what they've been through, the experiences they've gone through, and it's made them who they are. What are your favorite stories coming out of this draft? Okay, that's a great that's a great question. First of all, I love Lynn Bowden. You know, he grew up in a not the most, you know, not the greatest environment. He had a son early on, Lynn Bowden the third, and he the way he's able to respond from adversity is awesome. Henry Ruggs, who I I really like him. And I think in almost any other draft, he would be a wide receiver one. It's just this receiver class is insane. Um, his best friend, more like a brother to him, Rod Scott, passed away when uh, they were, what, probably 16 or 17. Um, and he plays for him. Every time he scores a touchdown, he holds a three up into the air because that was Rod Scott's number. Um, Trevon Diggs, father passing away, and then Stephon Diggs becoming a father-like figure to him. Great story. Chase Young and... Um, his experiences with law enforcement is amazing. You know, there's a ton of guys, and really the stories behind the players are what I love about the draft, and I love seeing these guys' dreams come true. Do you think that when players have to go through adversity in their life and it makes them stronger in who they are, that leads to more success? Um, I wouldn't say all the time, but some guys, when they deal with adversity, they get this mindset where they can't lose and they don't, they don't want to go back to what they've been through. And I think that's what really helps them. It's not nothing against the guys who haven't gone through adversity, but I think most of the time the best players are the ones who've gone through adversity. Do you think it changes from a want to be great to more of a need to be great? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. They're they it's because when someone's starving they have to eat. They're starving for that greatness and that makes them want to work that much harder. And that's what I love about these players who go through a lot and then prove to be one of the best players in the NFL like a Tom Brady, the 199th draft pick. What an amazing way to put that. I completely agree. I, th- I believe that players who have had a tough start and have made it to help support them, their families, doing honor of their friends, whatever it is, we love those guys. We love those guys' stories. We love the people they are off the field. That's really important to their image as well, you know, especially when you come away from the sport. It's like 
what have you come with? What have you left with? What are you doing for me now? That's a big thing in sports. All right. We're going to hop into Bold Predictions by Jeremy Flat. Yeah. So I have um, my mock drafts coming out on Thursday, the day of the draft before, obviously. And then I have a couple pr- predictions. Um, my first bold prediction is that... Uh, okay, my first bold prediction is that Cole Komet gets drafted in the first round. I, what I'm seeing from him is that his stock is rising, like, fast. And I think a guy, maybe the Packers, would like to upgrade their tight end position. They just lost Jimmy Graham. And I'm even hearing the 49ers want to pair up a tight end with George Kittle. And I, I don't think Ross Dwelly is that solid number two tight end. And I think Cole Komet is going to get drafted. And from he stood out on tape when I was watching Chase Claypool as well. Um, my next bold prediction is that Jalen Hurts finds his way into the first round. I think the Colts would be a perfect fit for him. The Colts don't have a quarterback under roster in 2021. And I think I could see Frank Reich just meshing perfectly with Jalen Hurts. This isn't that bold, but I think somehow, some way, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire finds a way on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady needs his James White, his Danny Woodhead, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can be that guy. Right now, the Buccaneers are picking with the 45th pick in the second round, and I could see them trying to make a move up for him, but I just see, I think he's a perfect fit with them. Um, And yeah, those are three of my bold predictions. Okay, so I want to ask you a question. This doesn't necessarily relate to the draft now, but um, we have to talk about about our boy Gronk. I mean, man's coming out of retirement. Robert Gronkowski, the party animal, baby. And not only coming back, he's coming back to play with Brady. Brady and the Bucks in Tampa. What do you see expectations for this guy? Gronk, baby. One of my favorite players of all time. He's so fun to watch, and he's just a party animal. He's bringing Gronk Beach to Tampa Bay. And that offense is going to be insane. So you get Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside. They're probably going to draft a guy like Andrew Thomas or Kai Becton to sure up uh, Tom Brady's blind side. And then they got Gronk in the middle. That's going to be fun to watch against the Saints twice a year. Um, they're in the same conference as the 49ers and the Packers. This offense is going to be so fun to watch. Tom Brady never really had, you know, I think Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are both big play guys, but he needs that guy. He needs his he needs his Gronk, and he, now he actually gets Gronk himself. Yeah, I agree. I think you know the the the, the knock on the Bucks offense is that no one has played with Tom Brady. No one knows what he's like. Now Brady has someone who can back him up, and not only can he back him up, you're the best tight end in the league. You know, if you're listening to the best quarterback and the best tight end potentially ever, you're gonna listen. I mean, Brady's got his safety blanket. He's got his baby Gronk back, baby. I'm so excited for this. I, I, you know, Gronk obviously did not play like Gronk in his final year, but you know what? He's had a year to rest up. This is going to be a new system. They're going to have a bunch of fun together. I expect big things from Robert Gronkowski. Yeah, well, first of all, let's not disrespect George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. They're, I think they're the best tight ends in the league. Gronk might be the best tight end ever, but right now this is George Kittle and Travis Kelsey all the way. But Gronk is, he brings a personality to the Bucks. He brings that, Tampa Bay, Florida personality that the that the Buccaneers need, and he's gonna help them make a playoff push and maybe even a Super Bowl push. Yeah, I'm not ready to necessarily hop on that band on that bandwagon just yet, but I'm not ruling it out. I love the energy they bring, and you know who gets Tom fired up more than Julian Edelman? Tom or Rob Gronkowski. Baby. Rob Gronkowski, baby, I can't wait to see him. 
All right, Jared, thank you for giving us your thoughts on this draft. We'll have to see what ends up happening, and we'll probably do a post-draft one as well to, to discuss expectations for, previous, for upcoming uh, teams. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you go to my website, www.betweenthetacklesfootball.com, and follow me on Instagram at betweenthetackles and on Twitter at btwnthetackles. I hope you guys all have a great day, and Jeremy out.